it's the networks. One of the things that I walked away with when I left school is I had a database of people that could be my future clients. So when I graduated and got into real estate, this database, I uploaded into a, another source, which was a constant contact at the time. I uploaded mm. that into another source. And then I started to create a newsletter where it went out to all these people. So when people got ready to graduate or got ready to uh, move into the Houston area, then I was one of the first resources that they thought of because I had them put them in this database and I was touching bases with them, calling them, sending them emails and stuff like that. So for me, the mo the best thing I got was the foundation. Then I had a group of soldiers or pe people that are my classmates from the university that whenever someone said real estate, they thought of Larry Brooks, right? So that's what's the main thing that I got away with, the, the nurturing of the relationships. So, okay, that is genius. Okay. You are now listening to the Your First Steps podcast. It's great to talk about million dollar dreams, but where do we start? How do we get there? Listen up. As you hear directly from real estate industry leaders on how they reach success in their fields. And most importantly, what were their first steps? Let's get this party started. Here's your host, Eli, the real estate guy. Welcome to the Prime Real Estate Network channel on YouTube. I'm your host, Mr. Prime Real Estate, Rick Davis. And I'm your host, the Texas Real Estate King, Larry W. Brooks. Every week, the King and I will provide you exclusive access to our network of lenders, investors, and real estate professionals from both the commercial and residential real estate sectors. Now, are you millionaire-minded? Or maybe you're a millionaire in the making. Make sure that you subscribe so you can get connected to the network. And always remember, the Prime Real Estate Network, where millionaires are in the making. Create wealth for generations. All right, hey, how's it going, guys? Thank y'all so much for tuning in to another episode of the Your First Steps podcast. We have another special guest here today. Uh, when you're talking about someone that is a content creator, uh, a author, entrepreneur, uh, uh, investor, and a broker, uh, and the list goes on uh, to you know all the things that he does. Today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Larry Brooks. Larry, how you doing today, man? I'm doing amazing. Eli. I can't complain at all. You know, I'm in I'm in a field of real estate, right? You can't you can't be anything else but happy and excited uh -huh. about the things that are taking place, regardless of what's going on in the market. In real estate, someone's gonna always be buying, and someone's gonna always be selling. There you go. I love it. I love it, man. Uh, so uh, just to give uh, give you guys an idea for um, how we came to this podcast. So uh, I've been uh, following him on Instagram for a while, and I've been seeing a lot of the content that he posts. But something that I really love about uh, what he does is when it comes to just overall different real estate strategies, he breaks it down into uh, pretty much bite-sized pieces that you can really digest and uh, not talking over your head, not uh, speaking to you know folks like uh, I'm, I'm above you. This is a, let me break it down for you. Let me actually explain what the process is of these different uh, real estate strategies and um, you know really getting people to the next level. So, so that's how this came about. So uh, we'll get to all that. Uh, but um, before we get into all that, uh, uh, tell everybody about yourself and uh, who you are and introduce yourself to uh, the new people here. No doubt about it, Eli. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. I appreciate it. Um, I want to be a, I want to be an open book and uh, drop a few gems for the audience today. So my name is Larry W. Brooks, a.k.a. the Texas Real Estate King. I've been in the real estate industry over 20 plus years. I like to joke with my friends and tell them I've never had a real job because right after graduating college, I went right into the real estate industry. 
uh, became a licensee. So I have my, I'm a real estate broker at this point. Any agents that are inside of my brokerage firm that I spend my time teaching, coaching, and training in the real estate industry to. Um, as you alluded to earlier, I've authored about four different books um, and just really been more of an entrepreneur space and in the real estate space of teaching other people how to grow in their portfolios. I also host a, a weekly real estate podcast myself called the Prime Real Estate Network. And uh, I'm just excited to be here. So as we go through, I'm pretty sure more things about who I am and how I built to this point will come out. And um, one of the things I want to most definitely let people know that, um, again, you can always reach out to me and I want to most definitely be an open book to you moving forward too. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it, man. So uh, thank you about that. Uh, thank you for the intro. So uh, of course, you know, we're definitely going to talk about the books. We're going to talk about the podcast and the brokerage. Uh, but where I like to uh, start off is really get down to uh, your childhood and how you were brought up, because I feel like uh, what I've noticed when it comes to real estate professionals or professionals in other fields, uh, where they started off with uh, is it kind of laid a foundation for where they ended up and they got introduced to things at certain points of life. So what was it like growing up uh, in, in the Brooks household and um, how did that bring you to, to where you are today? Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I try not to, I don't want to beat up on, I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, coming from a, a challenging background is the only one, only way to make it right. But again, I am one of those that came from more of a challenging background. I was raised by my grandmother um, here in Houston, Texas, uh, South Park, in the area that off of MLK, and and so it was traditional, just like every other MLK. You know, right. on Sundays we went to church. We on Saturdays we spent our time standing in line to get government cheese. And uh, my grandmother just did an amazing job with the foundation of raising me and my my. Uh, we would typically have about eight people in a three bedroom home. And so, one of the things that I took away from that is my grandmother. Uh, was was really the very first entrepreneur that I ever saw. And I didn't know the term entrepreneur as a child, but one of the things she was, she was the, uh, in 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 our neighborhoods, you would have a, what's called a sweep shop or the candy shop lady. My my grandmother was the cool cup lady, right? Gotcha, so, gotcha. Uh, people would knock at our door for cool cups. So that was the first entrepreneur I ever saw. And now right. her day job, is she was a, a caregiver, is a fancy name that they gave her, but Really, she just took care of, of rich people that were dis disabled, um, and she would just kind of clean them and take care of them. That was what her real job was. Um, but for the most part, having an opportunity to grow up in the house with this go-getter, which was my grandmother, uh, was my foundation. I uh, went, uh, went to high school in uh, Jones High School, which is in the South Park area as well here in Houston, Texas. Um, I went to school to play football. It's always a running joke. People always say, well, what you went to school for? I went to school to play football. You couldn't tell me that I wasn't going to win to be in the NFL. I was just like exactly. every other inner city kid. Right. I'm good at this sport. These people that came down here and they offered me a full scholarship. So I took my full scholarship, went to uh, Stephen F. Austin University, um, spent my time there just really being focused on football, but also my education. And one, uh, because my grandma, I always wanted, never wanted to let my grandmother down, right? Uh -huh. wanted to the things that would happen is you would get these scholarships, you would go off to school, but you'd be back a year later because you just didn't have the foundation. So for me, the hunger and the thirst was to, to please her and to one day be able to retire my grandmother. So went to school, played my four years of football at Stephen F. Austin. Why there? I got a double major. I got a marketing general business degree um, and just really studied on being an entrepreneur even when I was in college. So I owned a nightclub when I was in college, um, built a network of people around me that eventually became my success story once I graduated and got into real estate. So it's just a little bit about my background. Um, after getting into, after getting in, after Stephen F. Austin, I went directly into real estate. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. So uh, there's a few things that uh, you touched on and and I, I wanted to go deeper into the different parts there. So um, with your grandmother being that entrepreneur uh, and uh, you seeing her hustle to really get things uh, going and make things work, what did you take from those points in life uh, that you may not have uh, noticed the importance of it then, or maybe you did, but what points did you take from that to apply it to uh, your business as an entrepreneur now? That's a great. So one of the things that really stood out was consistency, right? You could never show up to my grandmother's house and she not have cool cups ready, um, candy ready, and things like that. So what I saw from her on a daily basis, regardless of how tired she was, every night she would put everything together that she would need for the following day. So consistency was the first step that I took from my grandmother. The second thing was is I saw a business model, right? So I took that business model my grandmother had in a stationary area at our house, and I took that to school with me. So in high school, I sold candy. And what I took from, and this will tie back into my real estate business, but I'll tell you so. But in high school, I sold candy. I took the business, uh, when I was selling candy, I found out that I wasn't the only person that wanted to make money, right? So I took that business model and I expanded and I put different kids in different classrooms on different hallways that mm -hmm. sold candy for me, right? Right. Took that same model and went to college. While I was in college, I sold candy. It might sound like the craziest thing in the world, but... I sold candy. So right. I then I eventually grew to where I had different people in different dorms selling candy. They became my, my grandmother's candy house or my grandmother's cool cup house, as you would like to say it, right? Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. that same business model is what I now do in the real estate industry, right? I came back out and now I duplicate myself around the state of Texas where I have different people in our three broke in our three offices selling real estate um, to benefit the brokerage firm, right? So it kind of ties back together with those nuggets that I learned from my grandmother. Gotcha. I love that. I love that. So, uh, so it's interesting that you, that you uh, bring up candy and selling when you're young. So, uh, kind of, uh, talking about things that happened to me when I was in high school, I first discovered that yeah. I was able to sell and really talk to people when I was in a keyboard class and the teacher, he gave us each like a box of candy, uh, to sell. Yeah. And he expected everybody to take several weeks to sell it. But I remember he gave me that box. And then the first day at lunch, I sold out of the box. Cause it was just like, something just kind of came alive and I'm like, you know what, let me take the box. I'm going to each table. I'm, you know, willing to deal. And, and I got that done. And then he was like, Oh, where's the, where's your candy? I'm like, Oh, I sold it. He's yeah. like, no, I just gave you that box. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's gone. He's like, Oh, okay, well sell this one. And so I got the box yeah. the next day, sold that one. And he was like, okay, you got something like you should maybe consider sales in the future. And so, yep. but where I would say, um, I limited myself when it came to other things that I would sell. Like I had like a clothing line. I sold candles. I sold a lot of things uh, later on is that I didn't have that mindset of, you know what, let me get other people involved in this. It was just a, I'm, I'm the guy, I'm the salesperson. Let me try to incorporate as many other people as possible. Uh, no, when it comes to just sales, but not, uh, you know, uh, bringing other people. So, has there ever been a time to where you actually was like, you know what, let me do it myself. Or did you just stay? Uh, or did you like from the beginning was like, Oh yeah, you know what y'all want to make money. Let's make it happen. Like did, did was that just an, a natural thing for you or like, what, what was that process? That's a great question. I think that, I think for me, my learning lesson was at this point, I was in college and I came from a background of a selling candy and knowing how to make money. And I also threw parties when I was in high school. That was a big thing coming up in Houston, throwing high school parties. So I would do that, but I only had one other friend here and I would do it. I got to college and I was like, okay, 
none of these other people really know how to put this together. I'm going to do it. But what I found out is, was I good at it? Yes. But could I grow faster if I built a foundation around me? Yes, I could. So for me, the the business of the, the, the candy industry also seeped into other businesses that I thought about because I thought to myself, well, if I had more people talking about my party than just me, um, then that's kind of like they needed equity in the bit. They needed equity in the event in order for them to really push it the way that I needed them to. So um, that was one of the things that I, I would say that I just kind of domino effect to always enjoy partnerships. So most of the companies and the businesses that I built that I currently have are all partnerships. I really believe in it because it's just a better way of leveraging myself, my time and my skill set. Gotcha. I love it. I love it. So uh, you said you had a, a degree in uh, marketing and in business. Uh, yes. So what uh, did you take from your degrees? Do you feel like really helped you in your business today? You know, it's, it's, it's so here's what I'll say. I think that the thing that I got mainly when being on the university campus is the network, right? It wasn't really as much about the degrees because honestly, I really, really don't remember any of the subject matter, right? Mm -hmm. You learn those things as you get out into the field, you become more creative. You know, maybe in the business degree, you understood a little bit about uh, putting together a business model, putting together a business plan. But again, now you can actually learn those things just out in the public world. But for the most part, it's the networks. One of the things that I walked away with when I left school is I had a database of people that could be my future clients. So when I graduated and got into real estate, this database, I uploaded into a, another source, which was a constant contact at the time. I uploaded mm. that into another source. And then I started to create a newsletter where we went out to all these people. So when people got ready to graduate or got ready to uh, move into the Houston area, then I was one of the first resources that they thought of because I had them put them in this database and I was touching bases with them, calling them, sending them emails and stuff like that. So for me, the mo the best thing I got was the foundation. Then I had a group of soldiers or pe people that are my classmates from the university that whenever someone said real estate, they thought of Larry Brooks, right? So that's what's the main thing that I got away with, the, the nurturing of the relationships. So, okay, that is genius, okay? that That is genius. So I understand the idea of networking, but the fact that you actually had a database of folks that, especially being in the real estate industry, it's like people need to move somewhere, they need to find rentals, they need to do something. So what sparked that idea uh, for you to one track, you know, the people that you're actually uh, keeping in contact. But the fact that you had like the wherewithal to be like, okay, well, this is valuable information. I'll take their contacts and actually contact. Like, like what, what made that connection for you? You know, it's fun. It's trial and error, right? So when mm -hmm. I, when I was in school, um, we didn't have social media. And so the way that I built my party following or built the people that would come to our nightclub is I would literally get in my car I would drive to Wiley College. I would drive to Jarvis College, Texas College. Mm. All of these universities that's two to three hours away from Stephen F. Austin to pass out flyers. Just These were hand bills that I would have to give people. Wasn't It wasn't tied into emails as much then. But when I went out and met the people, then I created the database. And I'm like, okay, so next time I get ready to throw this party, instead of going to this school, I'm going to contact someone that I built a relationship with, send them the information, have them print it out, then tell them, hey, I'm going to take care of you, your friends when y'all get here. You know, as I built into the fraternity of Kappa Alpha Psi, I built the relationships with my frat brothers on these campuses. So I would send information to them. They would reach out to their friends in Dallas and Houston, and it just built me a bit a large following. So that's really what created the idea of the database was just, hey, how can I do this, but not have to right. do this much driving again in the future? How can I lock in with these people? So exchanging numbers and just kind of keeping up. So that created my first database.
Gotcha. I love it. I love it. So yeah, and that, that's something that, um, so something I express to uh, kids that are considering not going to college. Cause they're like, Hey, if I want to learn something, I could just go on YouTube and I could just pick it up. Uh, the way that you just express things, it's like, you probably didn't go into school just thinking like, okay, I'm going in to get a database uh, to then uh, put them on. You didn't, you didn't probably have that thought process, but while you're there, you just see uh, a network of opportunities and just like you're saying trial and error, you actually ended up coming up with this system that ended up being a lot more beneficial uh, to you rather than just going on YouTube and being like how to become an agent, how to become a broker. It's a, this gave you a lot more of a found. I love it, man. I, I absolutely love hey, it. You know, so it's, it's called uh, relationship currency. A lot of people, that term is relationship currency. It's more, it's more valuable than the finances. You could be a multimillionaire, but at the end of the day, if you don't have relationship currency, some doors just don't open for you. So having an opportunity to create relationship currency has opened doors that money couldn't even put me in at times. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. And so now going into uh, real estate. So what made you choose uh, real estate as a path to go into? Uh, and it just what really attracted you to that industry? Yeah, I wish I could say that I was a genius and came up with that, but I didn't, right? So <laughs> one of the things that that came from is when I was in college, I had a my best friend from high school, his uh, sister was married to a mortgage broker. So when I went home for a summer job, they gave me a job as a process. And so one day while I was in there doing processing work, the broker, the mortgage broker was taking some realtors out to lunch. Never heard of real estate and realtors and none of that. Didn't really know what it was. Took them out to lunch and I seen these guys dress, these, these guys and ladies dressed really nice, had very nice cars. They were young. I was like, man, what do y'all like? What do they do? And so finding out that he was massaging a relationship so that he could most definitely get deals from them later. And he told me, they kind of gave me the background on it. Went back to college and it just wouldn't leave my mind. So uh, ended up getting my mortgage license at that time because all you could you pay $300 and you could get, you can have a mortgage license at that point. And I was gotcha. in college. And so um, that actually introduced me to what realtors were. And so uh, shortly before I graduated, I watched my best friend. He was a realtor. He was doing very good at it. 22 years old, huge home, uh, very nice automobile. I'm like, well, look, it's just a natural fit. I understand. The end. I, I know what sales look like. I want to be a part of this. I was lucky enough to watch him close a deal. And he was at the time, he was on the mortgage side and real estate side. And mm. mind you, we 22, 23 years old. He closed a right. deal in three weeks and made $42,000. At this time, no one was making, that's what that's what educators was making. They was making about $38,000 a year. He wow. made in three weeks what people were making in one year. And I'm right. like, okay, this I got the plug. You know, we didn't use that term back then, but I got the right. source of the plug. Mm -hmm. And so just, that got me right into real estate. And I've been doing it ever since then. First job, wow. only real career, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. And so now you've done it uh, to the extent of you've, uh, you've gone through the process and now you're showing others the way. So you find your success and you're like, you know, what? I need to actually show uh, other people uh, like how I was enlightened in this process. I saw my friend do it and it got me into it. I found success. Now I want to be that friend to others. So uh, what, what started that path to starting to, to show people and what was your first step when it came to, okay, this is how I'm going to uh, show this newfound knowledge and skill and opportunity to others. Yeah. You know, I think, again, it's, I think a lot of it came from just like me always having the business savviness of wanting to duplicate myself. Right. So when I first got into the industry, I was a, I've always been an early person, you know, being uh, an athlete or a football player was, a, it was a thing that really built me, built my muscle when it came to 
consistent, uh, being wanting to be consistent, knowing how to be on time and knowing how not to take no, right? Like knowing mm -hmm. how to recover when something bad takes place. So for one of the things for me was always making sure that I was consistent and not taking no, because I was young when I got into real estate. So the average age of a realtor when I first got into the industry was like 58 years old, mm. gray hair, you know, like they mm -hmm. didn't look like me. So right. at 22 years old, when you're doing door knocks, you got to be consistent because everyone's saying no. And at that right. time, our database was calling the yellow pages. For those that don't right. know, that was this thick little book that, you know, <laughs> you can Google it, right? But right, we would have right. to literally call the yellow pages and make phone calls, see who's looking to buy and sell. So just building up that threshold of understanding no really just meant that they didn't, they just didn't have enough knowledge or information about myself. And so after I was able to build up a book of business myself, I watched my broker that was holding my license. I'm watching them now. That was a hundred percent firm. I'm watching them make $20,000 a month just off of uh, fees, licensee fees. And I'm like, that's what I need to be doing. I need more passive income. So mm. yes, I want to have my own real estate portfolio, but why not build a business that can also become passive for me as well, just by me giving the insight of a biz, a brand that I've already built. And so that's kind of led into wanting to start Brooks and Davis Real Estate Firm, which originally I started at Brooks Star Properties before I partnered up with my business partner, Michael Davis. Uh, mm -hmm. Before partnering up him, I started my own brokerage firm. The market collapsed in 08. I had already had this office space. Everything was already set up. Uh, he and I, we, he and I had a conversation. He was already a good friend of mine. We had an amazing conversation. We shared the office space for a year, and then we decided Brooks and Davis together split the business down the middle and let's work it out. And so uh, from that, we just started to build and bring small pockets of agents along with us, and now we've kind of grown that as well. Gotcha. So uh, you mentioned something, the, the licensee fees. Uh, so uh, just to kind of, so I'm mainly a wholesaler and I flip, but when it comes to uh, that structure of like the hundred percent brokerages, I don't understand that, that structure. So explain that. Uh, like how, how can a brokerage make money if they're given a hundred percent of the commission? Like how, how does, how does that work? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's more of a numbers game, right? So mm -hmm. um, you might find, so brokerage firms have tiers. Like my brokerage firm, we have tiers. It goes from 50, 50, 70, 30 to hundred percent. When you have a hundred percent company, the way that you make money is typically it's a monthly fee. So I may say, you know what, you're going to pay me $125 a month for me to hold your license. That's if you do nothing at all. Right. So mm -hmm. if you get at this time, that brokerage firm had gotten up to 258. So, if I got 250 people paying me that every single month, I'm okay. And right. then not only that, usually with a 100% company, I'll charge you a transaction fee, right? So once you do do a deal, I'll probably charge you like 250 per per deal. So if I got 250 agents, let's just say only 50 of them complete a transaction, that's still, you know, 20 to $30,000 a month just passively coming through the broker's firm for holding a license. And of course you want to do some educating so that your license isn't in jeopardy. So we gotcha. educate so that, you know, we're not putting um, agents out there that don't know what they're doing. So even my 100% agents, they graduated to that point to where, you know, they started off at 50-50 and they grew to where they gained the responsibility, gained the knowledge and the trust so that I can, I trust them to go out with the brand, with the name and continue to grow. Gotcha. I love it. So uh, if... So between these different uh, types of brokerages, because uh, I mainly heard of the the split, the commission split uh, type brokerages, uh, what would you say is, why well, won't everybody just go to one to where it's a 100% brokerage? Uh, why is it that they, they still go to these others to where they know every transaction they're getting this huge split uh, from their commission? Well, the thing is, is the ones that are 100%, 
that's a brokerage firm that's saying that you're saying to that brokerage firm, I'm knowledgeable. I know what I'm doing. I shouldn't have to break these break. I, mean, I don't have to. Basically, you're not going to get as much tutelage when you got mm -hmm. questions or concerns. And before you go and jeopardize their license, when you're with a, a split firm, usually split brokerage firms have great training. They have access. So you got mentors and coaches that you can literally pick up in the middle of the night and they'll answer your phone call to help gotcha. you through the process. And so I feel like most people that get their license should at least start with a brokerage firm that has mentors and coaches that come with their fees. And you should be okay with breaking a split. You're not the game ain't free. Uh, people can right. believe that as much as they want to. You can get on YouTube and think you're gonna get what you get, but the game ain't free. <laughs> when you need somebody that done did it, that can tell you exact, help you skip the hurdles. Because the, the the ability to skip mistakes is why you get a mentor. The reason why you get a coach is so you can skip some of the mistakes and gain the knowledge. Well, if you're with a hundred percent company. This is this this very likely that they're not gonna overstress themselves about what you need, right? Like they're not gonna spend an hour on the phone with you walking you through a contract and they only getting $125 off of you or $200. Mm. Like that's not valuable to me, right? But if right. you're 50, 50 or 70, 30, you can I don't care what time you call me. I literally have an agent dedicated to making sure that all your real estate questions are answered. And then on the back end, I'm making sure that you understand the process so that if one day you can compliment me by going out and growing and becoming a broker yourself. That's my ultimate compliment. Everybody that has graduated from my company that have went out and built their own brokerage firm, that excites me. That's what I. That's why I strive to do what it is that I do. So that's why you pay for someone. You pay for the game. You pay for the knowledge. You pay for the resource. And you pay for the relationship, right? Because then there I get to go. open my database up to you. And then you, whenever you have a question 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I got you. There you go. I love it. I love it. And so now, um, as you've uh, gone on with your brokerage, you've uh, helped a lot of people gain some success. Uh, and from there, you wanted to to stretch out your reach and duplicate yourself, like you're saying, uh, to uh, really showing as many people as possible how to actually be successful in this game. And so you went on to uh, have books that you actually uh, wrote as well. So uh, explain uh, uh, the books uh, if you want to go through. I think you said it was uh, it was four books uh, that yeah. you have. So uh, let's go through each book and explain uh, what people would actually get from those books uh, and what actually prompted you uh, to, to write those books. Great, great. So these books and all the things I'm going to speak of can be found at LarryWBrooks.com. But just to give you a little bit of insight, because I don't have the physical copies with me to hold up, but the very first book I came out was in uh, 2017. And that book was just mainly, if you didn't come from a sales background or you didn't come from a, you weren't a previous athlete, sometimes you don't have that texture of motivation to get up daily as an entrepreneur and know that you got to, you kill what you eat. And so the very first book was a book of quotes. It was just your Zig Ziglar's, your Tupac's, people that I loved and enjoyed that every morning when I felt like I needed that extra kick, I read me an one of these amazing quotes. And so what I did with that is I used that as I was bringing on my new agents to kind of help motivate them, them that those that didn't have a a background in sales or that 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 understanding of how to take a good strong no and keep mm -hmm. going, that was always a very good motivational book for them. The, gotcha. So that one was called Empowering Quotes for the Entrepreneur in You. The second book that I came out with um, was a book about how to start a business. So it was uh, it was a book. It was called Six Steps to Creating Your to Creating Your Own Business. And so the way that that book worked out is that. It was steps that you would use to go from being a sole proprietor. So just me going out here doing the business all by myself to how do I duplicate myself and become a corporation? How do I go from being Larry W. Brooks to Brooks and Davis real estate firm, the brand, the bigger brand? 
And so that book walked out, walked the steps through on how I did that, how to market yourself, how to build out your business plans and things like that. The third book was a partnership. I came, I did that one. Uh, shout out to Self-Publishing 30 Days. They actually helped me with all of these books. Uh, but Self-Publishing 30 Days did a partnership with myself and Grammy Award winners, um, other people in other fields of studies that have been very successful across the country. We did a co-authoring book. In that book, I actually talked mm. about how I built out my Pure Hustle brand. So the hat I have on is more of a clothing brand. It's tied into a lot of other, it's tied into a grandparent's love, a nonprofit that, that I had that I started on behalf of my grandmother because you know, I saw that she had, she lacked resources uh, when you are a grandparent raising your grandchildren on a fixed income. So um, that one I talked, it kind of tied into all those things. So I talked about how it is that I built out the clothing brand with my partners that I grew up with here in uh, the Houston area. And so the fourth book was mainly a compliment. You know, in our area of expertise, we love when other people recognize us and they, they, they value what you've contributed to the field of study. So uh, Rita Santa Maria, the founder of Champion School of Real Estate, which is one of the largest real estate companies in the uh, in the country, actually featured me in this book. Uh, one of the only people that looked like me. Uh, it's called Real Estate Tendencies for Success, and uh, she featured me in how I built the brand, how I built out the brokerage firm, and that actually took place in uh 20. I think that was 2020 that she dropped and released that book. It was Volume Two. So um, just a little bit about those. Again, you can find more details. Um, at LarryWBrooks.com or no. So thank you so much for asking for those. I love um, sharing and talking about those with people. Gotcha. Absolutely. So are they, uh, so they're available on that website. Are they also on yes. Amazon or, or is it uh, just through the website? No, they're also on Amazon as well. So for those Perfect. of you that got Amazon Prime, you want to get them to you very quickly, they're mm -hmm. on Amazon as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. Good deal. So, uh, now we're, we're definitely going to talk about, uh, the, uh, the brand, uh, the pure hustle and the nonprofit, but I want to touch on, uh, the podcast that you have as well. Uh, so, uh, so what, uh, talk about the podcast, like what, what brought the idea of starting a podcast, uh, and what is it really about and why should everyone listen? Yeah, good, good question. So I'm, I get excited when I talk about the podcast, cause you know, I, when I was, and I didn't get this, when I was um, probably about five years ago, maybe six years ago, I would go to these schools and I would sit down with these, these, uh, these, high, these high school and middle school students and I'm telling them about the real estate industry. I want to expose them to what it is we do. And I was like, well, what do you want to do? And I would hear these kids say something about being a YouTuber. What is a YouTuber, right? Didn't get it. I did not get it, right? <laughs> right I couldn't right. understand the financial value in it. And so I laugh about it now when I consider I'm kind of like a YouTuber, right? I got a page and we really pushed this brand. But um, with the Prime Real Estate Network, um, and you can find it on YouTube and all the podcast streaming, but Prime Real Estate Network is actually a platform that was uh, first generated by my partner on there that, that, that actually is our host. His name is Ricardo Davis, one of my frat brothers and one of our agents with Brooks and Davis Real Estate Firm. He came to me one day and he said, man, Larry, you have such a brand behind you. Um, and you're doing so many things in real estate, you're busy coaching other people. I would love if you could host this podcast with me. And so it came together. You know, he's the brainchild behind it. But for the most part, we bring on other successful wholesalers, um, people that have been in the real estate field for years like myself or people that own other brokers firms, everything from your Remax to your Keller Williams to just a field of um, um, entrepreneurs, right? You could be an amazing barber. You could be somebody tied into the beauty industry, fashion. And so it kind of cultivated. We started out where we stayed mainly in the real estate lane, but then the relationships, the clients, it just kind of grew. So we started bringing in tax professionals and 
And so now the platform has over 209 episodes on it. We film nice. every Tuesday and we've just really had an opportunity to have some great people across the country on it. And so if you if you want to if, you, if you're someone out there and you're always trying to find a way to seek knowledge or what we like to call relationship currency and a cheat code to getting somewhere quicker and faster and successful in your business. It's a great platform, a great um, area of leaderships that come on there that you can tie into. So thank you so much. Gotcha. Thanks about that. I yeah. love it. I love it. Good deal. So uh, now uh, the pure hustle. All right. Yeah. So uh, talk, talk about that brand, uh, what it represents uh, and you know, the, the ideal person who uh, showcases this. And the reason why I say this is because um, I was actually watching a video of 50 Cent the other day and he was explaining yeah, how, yep. yeah, yeah. He was explaining how every uh, thing that you wear is an expression of yourself. So not to get deeper into that, uh, explain the, uh, the brand and you know, what it represents. Well, I, I definitely concur with what 50 Cent said. It makes so much sense. Matter of fact, I've read, I recently read his book or maybe about two years ago, his book where it says, I think it's, it's hustle something. I can't think it it's smart hustling, I think is what it's called. But mm -hmm. it was um just before that, this was a brainchild that this came from. Me and a buddy of mine, I was getting ready to catch a flight. And he said, man, he said, you're always hustling. And he said, it's just so pure nowadays. You know, the thing is, is hustle was a negative consultation for many years of our life. Whenever somebody thought about hustle, they always thought about you taking advantage of people and, you know, putting people in compromising situations. Well, we've changed that. We brought a purity to hustle. We probably mm -hmm. we we're not grinding, right? We're not getting to a point to where we're tiring ourselves out, or you're we're grinding ourselves down. We're hustling. We're continuing to build. We're continuing to brand ourselves. We're continuing to strengthen the family and the people around us. So the pure hustle came from that. It was like a a branch of all of the industries that I was a part of. Because at that time I was building out the uh, grandparents' love. I had a lot of speaking engagements, building out the Brooks and Davis Real Estate Company the books and the podcast. So my, my boy was just like, man, you just got pure hustle about you. And the beauty of it is that he already owned a t-shirt shop here in, in South Park off of MLK. And so we went from that, us talking about that to him actually putting that on a shirt. People saw it and like, what's that? So now I'm speaking in it, right? I got my hat on, got my shirt on. Instead of a suit and tie, I'm putting on the branding that, that I'm supporting that's coming back to support me as well. And so it. we just built that brand. We met myself and my shout out to Sean Dangerfield, the t-shirt shop. He um he actually helped build out that business model. And now we're partners as we grow that brand. Yeah. So gotcha, that's gotcha. kind of where the Pure Hustle clothing brand, sweats, anything you think of, we got, mm -hmm. got that on it. But that's where that came from. Gotcha. And where can they find uh that brand if they wanted to uh, to make any purchases? Mike, can you hear me? Uh, you can oh, go to yeah. on that one. You can go to shoplwb.com. So shoplwb.com. You can uh you can you'll see everything that we offer. Please feel please feel free to to hit an order if you if you some of you have any questions, just send me an email and we can work it out. But because we also do custom designs as well, so oh, you nice, have some nice. amazing kicks. Yeah, you have some kicks that you like and you want it to kind of color coordinate. That's something that we do with it as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. And so uh, now the uh, nonprofit uh, that you all started. So when did this nonprofit start? Uh, and, uh, and just talk, talk about that. Uh, so, so we could know a little bit more about it. Yeah. So the nonprofit, I think my finished it up in about 2018 is when we got everything going forward. And uh, it was always a brainchild of mine, right? Ben? You've been, when you're being raised by your grandmother, um, uh, you really, as a grandparent, you know, they're on a fixed income. Every month, their money is going to look the same. And so what the challenges that I saw with my with my grandmother was in Texas, when 
the heat goes from being goes to 100 200 to 100 and 110 now you got to make yeah. a decision do you pay this $400 light bill cuz you're trying uh, to run your AC or do you feed the kids right and so um that was a jeopardy or the things that I saw my grandmother would have to stress over pay the 200 the, the $300 light bill or continue to buy groceries and so uh of grandparents live we step in the gap for that right if there's grandparents that find themselves in situations where they can't cover some of their bills we step in the gap in order to do that one of the things that I also saw my grandmother have challenges with was things that came up around the home maybe roofing damage or roofing troubles or ac unit just a lot of things that when you're on a fixed income you can't just go to the bank and like and take care of it so a grandparent loves we use um, some of my real my real estate resources and we step out and we send people out there that can cover that gap. And more recently, we had a grandparent that, you know, their refrigerator went out. Their refrigerator went out in the middle of the night and you need your refrigerator. And if you don't have the resources to go and buy a $300, $400 refrigerator, you need someone to step in the gap. So a grandparent let us come, we step in the gap um, in order to do that. And it is a 501c3. So anybody that wants to you know, donate to that. That would that's where those resources and, and monies go to. Um, and that's a grandparentslove.org. Gotcha. I I love that. I love it. And I've actually never heard of uh, an organization that 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 does that specifically. Uh, and yeah. uh, and what's special about it is I've actually heard somebody express this before because they they hang around a lot of uh, elderly people and they just go and visit them a lot. They're saying how a lot of times the elderly people just feel like they've been forgotten, uh, you know, and, you know, as everyone grows up, you know, of course, everybody loves grandma when they're kids, but as everybody gets older, it's like the grandparents become an afterthought. Uh, and you don't think about those daily struggles that they may have. And yes, if they're, you know, young, uh, they'd be able to go out and, you know, hustle and figure out how to get, you know, things together. But once you're older, it's, it's a different situation and you may not have had, um, you know, things set up like a 401k, you may not have all this capital just set up and you, or you may not be able to actually know how to use Google to look for uh, a plumber to come and take care of a situation. So there's many times to where you just kind of stuck with this bad thing that's happening to you. And you're hoping that a neighbor could help out, but you're not your neighbor's uh, responsibility. And so, and a lot of times um, the neighbor looks like you, right? In these older yeah. communities, the grandparent is another grandparent, and they looking oh, at each man. other like, well, I don't really know. Unless <laughs> you know, in my yeah. case, my grandmother was my grandmother did an amazing job at raising me. So mm -hmm. I, my objective was to get back and give back to her. So you know, it was a, a re, I was a resource not only to her but for our neighbors as well. But everyone just doesn't have that. So that's kind gotcha. of where grandparents love was um was born. It was born with the ability to try to. Uh, to, to be, to sit in a gap, to help these grandparents out. Gotcha. And so if uh, somebody, I guess what they have to uh, request for somebody to get your assistance or how, how does that actually uh, work? Like, do you already have like people lined up that you would help or yeah, what's the process? Well, we really, we, 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 we really are trying to create a community. So we want it to be something more where not only do the grandparents have access to us, but even have access to other grandparents where they can share knowledge. Maybe it's something that's going on with a student and that student is seven years old. Whereas a grandparent, what do I do with a seven-year-older that you know mm. may not want to go to school? Or what do I do with a 10-year-older uh, that uh, may be having trouble reading? And so we're trying to create a community 
currently on our website, you can you can go in and if you need assistance, you can request assistance. The emails typically come to myself or my assistant, and we're able to get back with people. So that's where it is. But one of the things that we're looking to do here in 2020, the second quarter of 2023, is really try to build out a group where we're not only the only resource, but as we can get my partners that come in and go out and help get them to be in, inside of this resource group, but mainly have grandparents where they can kind of share dialogue about what they may be challenging with their 16-year-old, right? Like those things um, that we're, or what we're seeing are, are challenges that they have as well, just ability to communicate with other people that are like-minded or going through the same challenges. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love that. Uh, so definitely you guys uh, check that out. Say the website one more time so that uh, everybody can hear it. Yes, indeed. It is a grandparentslove.org. Grandparentslove.org. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, now going back to uh, brokers and agents. So um, what have, uh, what are some tips that you'll give for an agent? You know, they're, they're just starting out. They want to get the ball rolling with their career. They want to get their first transaction. Uh, what are some of the first things that you teach someone to get rolling? Like, and I know you give them the book to, to, to start, but what are like some of those, those coaching sessions like? Yeah, so, you know, the thing is, is I, I try to embed in them consistency, right? I try to embed consistency and faith. And those are the things that in this real estate business or in, in any area of this real estate business is going to carry you a long way. And so when I say consistency, I'm like, listen, every day you've got to do these steps that I'm giving you. And so for me, lead generating is number one. You can never get away from lead generating. It's going to be the first thing that you need to do when your business first gets started. It's going to be the last thing when you're a multimillionaire in this industry that you're going to need to keep your business going. It's going to be lead generating. So, right. and the one thing that comes with lead generating is you got to have faith because your first 45 days, your third, first 30 to 45 days, you may not even get a response. You may not even know that you're building this avalanche that's one day going to take off and you'll never have to look for business again other than being consistent with your, your relationship currency, right? Right. And so the first thing I do is I want them to, we're going to nurture, we're going to figure out what we already got in our database. I don't care if you come from Arkansas and you just moved to Texas, I can help you find a deal within that database that you already have. So one thing I'm going to do is first thing I'm going to build, I'm going to tell you that you have to have consistency. I'm going to talk to you about what faith looks like. And then I'm going to take, I'm going to take you and give you steps to take your people in your phone immediately and turn them into a resource and turn them into soldiers. That's going to go out and help you find your deal. So one of the, one of the gems that I always give the students at Champion School of Real Estate when I'm over there speaking to them that are in the process of getting their license, I tell them this real simple script. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to say, you're going to take this script and you can take this script and you can phone call it. If you're a caller, make this phone call to your friends. If you um, have social media, drop this in someone's inbox and drop this inside their DM. It's a volume. It's a numbers game. You're touching as you're touching 50 people a day or 25 people a day in the beginning. In the beginning, you're touching 50 people a day because A, you ain't got no clients. So you're touching everybody right. you can and you staying busy, right? Right, right. And so that script is usually like, uh, uh, hey, Eli, you got to, you call Eli, hey, Eli, you got a moment to help me out? Everyone always says yes. People want to be a resource to other people. They really do want to help you out. Mm -hmm. And so with that, mm -hmm. with that skit, Eli going to say, yeah, I got some time. You're going to say, hey, Eli, who do you know that's looking to? I just started a new career in real estate. I'm excited. I'm with an amazing team. I got an amazing a broker around me. And we're doing we're doing amazing things here in blah, blah area. Now, who do you know that's looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate? 
those simple terms is going to do two things. A, they're going to remember who they was talking to at the Super Bowl that was telling them or at the Super Bowl party that was telling them that they was getting ready to move or that they want to right. buy real estate or they want to be an investor. They're going to just give up. They're going to start to become a soldier for you. Or if they, if they didn't have anybody at that moment, they're going to go out and now the first time someone says something about move, they'll be like, yeah, I was just talking to. I was just talking to my friend Larry. They just just joined an amazing team, and they are looking for somebody to help. I think you should reach out to them. So now you mm -hmm. have somebody that's going to be going to war or working on your better behalf. So those gotcha. are some of the foundations that I could give in the beginning. I'd absolutely love that. Okay, so let, let me tell you what I so I heard something similar from uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Hermosi is his last name, uh, and uh -huh. uh, he started off as a gym owner, and his approach whenever he was cold calling as well was. Uh, he says where people mess up is that they call someone and they try to offer the service to them. And he says, whenever mm -hmm. you offer the service to them, then you come off as a salesperson and they're like, you know, I, I don't want to buy whatever you're selling. And so, but his approach mm -hmm. was uh, instead of asking them, ask them, Hey, do you know of anybody? And so now I, I love that approach. I absolutely love that approach. Yeah. Okay. So th this is interesting. So, if you were to, um, and it's it is it's different in the wholesale world, uh, only because usually the people that you're calling, they're the person that needs the help, right? So uh, I know, like with wholesaling, it's like say you're calling a pre foreclosure list, uh, you're calling uh, a like whatever list you're calling, uh, they're the ones who have the signs of distress. So. Uh, is that something that you think would also work in the, the wholesaling space or is that mainly uh, something that's for uh, agents uh, basically? That one is that one probably the one that I just said, that script is probably more strength towards agencies mm -hmm. um, because in the wholesale space, you know, you're want to be more empathetic towards the person that you're calling. You want to, right. um, you want to also offer them resources, but, you know, you can you can you can still act the same way, though. Right. You can still mm -hmm. say instead of saying to them, hey, I want to help you. You can just say that, hey, you know, right now you may not be in need. Now, in the back of their mind, they're like, I am the one in need. Right, but you might right. say hey, you may not be in need of this type of service right now. But who do you know that may be blah, 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 that may need mm -hmm. some help with, you know, not being able to pay their mortgage or they're in a place where they're about to lose their home and they need to move but they need this supplement in order to do so. Like, mm -hmm. that's a different way. And then that, they'll still ask, right? Like, but then they're gonna be like, well, that's me. Like, they're right. gonna raise their hand. They're gonna be like, I'm the right. one that needs this service. So right. yes, I, I take that back. I do actually think that script can actually work in that exact same direction. Yep. Gotcha. And so what what I would typically do uh, when it comes to wholesaling is, well, one, of course, just let them know that you're, uh, was reaching out to see if uh, they had any interest uh, and sometimes instead of uh, giving like spilling the beans and just like saying like, Hey, I'm calling because your house is on pre foreclosure, or whatever, you just kind of just make it seem like somewhat of a coincidence to where it's like, Hey, I'm just calling uh, to see if you had any interest. Uh, and it's like, Oh, what made you call? He's like, Oh, well, you know, I was just uh, calling homeowners in the area in this zip code. Cause you got all the stuff in front of you uh, homeowners in this zip code with similar square footage and blah, blah. And you know, just whatever. And then as you get down to the questions then all of a sudden, then they start telling on themselves like, okay, yeah, well actually, you know, X, Y, and Z, but the people that are not no, leads. That's an amazing approach. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the people that are not leads, uh, I end off with what you're, what you're saying, which is, okay, well, I understand that, uh, you're not, uh, looking to sell, but if you do know anyone, then I hit them with the, we do good referrals for uh, any deal that's, uh, that closes, but just make sure that I know that it came from you. So that way I can give you a referral, we give referrals up to a thousand dollars or whatever it is. Uh, and I'll do that approach with, um, I haven't done this recently, but say if I were to go to like a grocery store or a gas station uh, or wherever, I'll give them my card and then say, Hey, if you know of anyone that's looking to sell their property, I'm looking to buy properties and, uh, it will, it'll get the phone ringing a little bit, but it's just one of those things where you never know where that deposit, uh, will end up cashing out later. So I guess, uh, give an example of, uh, or show Talk about the importance of just constantly dropping seeds, even if it's not on the phone. But why is it important to drop seeds to, uh, you know, all platform, whether it's social media, just talking to people on the streets? Like, why do you feel like that's important? Well, it's important because you really don't know what may be your life changing opportunity. Right. So I I am a person. I'll say one thing that I do and then I'll say kind of how that transitioned into some business. And so one of the things that I always do is I take um, uh, thank you cards, right? And so I give out about 100 thank you cards a month. And it's a simple script that just says, thank you so much for the amazing service that you gave me. If I can ever be of service for you, my name is Larry W. Brooks. And I take my, um, or I have a thank you, I have a, my business card is at the very top. So they have access to my resources. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I give that to everyone because in every business, people just don't get appreciated. So just to give someone a thank you card if they're at a restaurant, at a gas station, whatever that may be. Now, here's how that works, right? When someone sees that and they understand what type of field you're in, I've gotten clients that have reached out to me after the fact and said, you know, passed away. She has property that needs to be liquidated. I didn't know what to do, but someone did say I need to find a realtor. But because you were so kind, I would love, mm. I would love it if you could give me more insight, right? And that insight turns into, you know, me helping them. That turns into business being closed in the future. So that's just an example of why I do the thank you course. But always taking time to drop the nuggets. You never know where your resources going to come from. I um, I once had, I, I once uh, uh, dated someone, and in that time frame. Uh, they had a resource. They were they had a resource of someone that was a um, he was an asset manager, right? And mm-hmm. in real estate, asset manager is a great resource. And so, uh, one time, just having a general conversation with the gentleman, I always spoke whenever I was around. I always spoke, and then one day, the conversation of what you do came up. I said, "I do real estate," and he's like, "Oh, I'm, a, I'm an asset manager." He's an attorney that manages a bunch of big assets, and he said, "You know what?" I would love an opportunity to change to change your business model. At the time, I didn't understand it. But when I say mm-hmm. this man changed my life, giving me eight really? to ten properties a month, just like just oh, because wow. it changed. But it was it was it. a general conversation, right? So right. you gotta always, I always teach my agents, once you become a full-time, once you become an entrepreneur, your business and your relationships go together. I know everybody try to say you gotta have um uh you gotta try to separate the two. It's just impossible, right? If I'm trying to feed my family off of being self-employed, I need my friends to support my business. I need my relationships to support my business. So a lot of times, if I'm going to be hanging out with you and having dinner and celebrating your birthday, I need you to tell your friends that I'm in real estate or that I got other resources that can help buy into them. So, and in return, I don't mind going out and spending 80 to 100 and $300 on a steak with you if I got to, but I need right. us to tie into each other when it comes to my entrepreneurship journey. So you always got to, it's, 
I always tell people Coca-Cola don't stop. Every day you see Coca-Cola <laughs> on your TV. They're going to promote right. to you and tell you about their business model and speed you Coke every day. You've got exactly. to tell people what you do on a consistent basis. So I hope that answers the question. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. And so now when it comes to real estate investing, uh, something that is a, a huge question uh, for a lot of people that are are beginning, should you also be a real estate agent if you're looking to be an investor? If you're if you're if your main end goal is to be an investor, it's because you learn differently, right? Like mm -hmm. the way that we teach licensees is not the way that you learn how to do the the investing side of the business. You don't learn wholesaling as a licensee. No one's going to teach it unless you have a client. You're not going to learn it. When I mm -hmm. learned wholesaling or I learned how to buy and flip, I learned all of those through clients that I was helping as a licensee. So to answer the question, um, no. If you're if you're going and you're end game or your 100% game is for you to uh, be an investor, then you need to get into investment groups, follow people that do investment, pay to be a part of organizations that do investment. And I say pay because if you pay someone, they're going to open up their book of resources to you. They're going to open up to their paint guy, their carpet guy, and um, you know the people who are their end buyers when they're doing wholesaling. They're going to open up this gate of people to you, but usually that's not something they're just going to just give to you. You've got to be a part of their network their relationships and paying people for that resource. Um, but it, at some point you should, you do want to, if you do, do want to be, you know, get both ends of the deal, you can get a real estate license, but really we learn in two different ways. So if investing is where you want your business mind, your business to grow, then focus on that. Don't worry about being a licensee. Gotcha. I love it. I love it. Uh, very, very useful. Cause this is something that uh, a lot of people are divided on and, and they feel very strongly about both sides. Uh, there's another person that I, I saw his video and this was some years back and his reasoning was, um, well, why wouldn't you want to be an agent? Because, uh, it just allows you to have more, more tools basically. Uh, and, and the person I was asking him, he's like, okay, I understand what you're saying though, but I just want to be the investor. Why do I have to do these extra steps? He's like, well, it builds uh, credibility in this and that. He's like, well, I have credibility when I speak to people when it comes to getting the house under contract. So uh, this just sounds like, if anything, it sounds like handcuffs because now you're held to like different standards, whatever you're an agent. And it's it stops you from really, you know, being as creative as you want to be uh, because you're restricted uh, because of things. So, yes, yeah, so I, I thought that was, that was, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 the the restricted part is very important, right? Because as a licensee, you can't your verbiage can't be tricky, right? And I, I'll give a quick example of that. Um, a friend of mine reached out to me because their mother passed away. I mean, no, there's a young lady a young lady was going through a divorce, and so she was like, "Okay, I want to get rid of this property. I'm getting investors that reach out to me. You know, the investors say that they'll give me ten thousand dollars and they'll give they'll pay the eighty thousand dollars of my loan." Well, as a licensee, when I went out to and when I went out to see the property, it was worth two hundred thousand dollars. So now, mm. as a licensee, my I have got to say, look, if you keep the pro, if you decide that you want to sell overnight, I got investors that'll give you the exact same deal, right? Or if you decide that you're okay with leaving it on the market thirty to forty five days, then I could get you an extra hundred thousand dollars. Like as a licensee, my integrity is tied to me being able to. I have to say that to you. Because if you see this property pop up on the market a month later and I'm making $100,000 off of it, you're going to feel cheated. You're going to reach out to uh, my body and government and I'm going to lose mm -hmm. my license. So that's one of the things that it really ties your hands down as an investor. Because if I'm an investor, 
I can just go in and tell them just that, regardless of what I know the comps may be. And that's gotcha. not even that's not that's not mischievous. There's nothing wrong with that because people it's still a win win because everyone's getting what it is that they're asking for. So mm-hmm. um, it's not mischievous or anything like that. It's just as a licensee, I got to be completely transparent about everything. I can't leave any um, guessing. Gotcha. Gotcha. I just said. All right. And so now this is a part of the uh, the podcast where we talk about uh, the three books uh, that you feel uh, anyone that is uh, interested in becoming uh, a agent. Uh, but you already gave me four. Uh, so besides the four that you already gave, <laughs> so what are uh, three additional books that you feel like somebody that wants to be uh, an agent or an entrepreneur should read? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say um, one of my books that I read every year is The Fuerte Lies of Power. It can be a very tough read, so I listen to it, but I also uh, read it as well. But I think that Fuerte Lies of Power, um, it has a strength behind it, right? It gives you a... a an ability to communicate with people where everyone feels like they're winning and they're exciting. So I like the Four Day Lives of Power as a good book. Um, oh man, it's another one that's amazing that everyone, it comes with scripts and everything. It is, um, God, I cannot think of the name. I was just speaking about it earlier, but, but to give you a summary of it, um, the book really talks about being consistent and persistent in, in what it is. It's, um, the greatest sales by L. Yeah, it's the greatest. I think it's called the greatest salesman in the world. If you Google gotcha. the greatest salesman in the world, it'll pop. It's by L. Mandino. His last name is Mandino or something like that. But it's the greatest Mondino. salesman in the world. Yes, that right gotcha. there. So that is a good one. Um, and the only reason I said the one reason why that one is amazing. A, it has a great storyline. But 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 bigger than that, the last few chapters of it gives you scripts that if you practice these scripts. These 30-day scripts, these three 30-day scripts that they give you in your sales business is going to take off because it helps you build Teflon when it comes to consistency and, and how to be transparent and honest with yourself. So um, those are that, those are two books. Uh, one other book I would probably say is um, I do believe in you want your money to go out and work for you. Um, I cannot think of the name of this book. It's another book Richest that's Man tied to you, that right, that book right gotcha. there. That's what I'm thinking of, right? You want to be able to get this money and then you want to be able to send and deploy this money to go out and bring back more money. So uh-huh. that's actually how you're going to get to wealth quicker. You, you can make a lot of money, but if you're selling more than this, if you're spending more than you are or bringing in, it's just never going to make sense. You uh-huh. can be you can be a multimillionaire making $40,000 a year if, you, if your debt is only $3,000 a year, right? Like uh-huh. So uh-huh. understand how to take your money and put it in places where you can grow for you. One of the things that I'm always passionate about is I'm a passive investor at this point in my career. So when people are building out amazing projects, I'm planting my seed money in there and I just want my return off of it. So those are the things that you want your monies to do. You want to go out and work for you so you can become financially free. Gotcha, gotcha, I love it. All right, so now uh, in this section, we uh, have the lightning round. So with okay. this, this is a few questions uh, that are a bit random. Some of them are a little more serious. Some of them uh, make you think a little bit. Some of them are a little goofy. But uh, the idea is to kind of just whatever is going on in your mind, just say it and then we'll, we'll make it work. All right. So okay. first question. All right. If you could do only, well, if you had to do only one type of real estate transaction uh, for the rest of your life, uh, what would it be and why? And when I say type of real estate, I mean, 
whether it's wholesaling, new construction, um, or you're uh, the the seller's uh, agent, you're the buyer's agent, uh, you're you know buying or flipping land, like whatever it is, one type of transaction, what would it be and why? Um, I would be a buyer's agent. And the reason why I would choose buyer's agent is I love the happiness, the energy, and the relationship that's built off of doing so. So I would be, an, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as much of a financial ideal, uh, mm -hmm. but for the most part, it would be so peaceful for me. Cause when, as a realtor, those are our relationships. That's how we change lives. And my, most of my, my closest friends now are people that I once did a deal with. So I, I would be a buyer's agent. Gotcha. I love it. All right. Number two, uh, you could, if you could bring back one person that has already passed away, but it can't be a relative or a friend. All right. Who would it be and why? You know what? I would bring back uh, Tupac Shakur. Tupac okay. was a big part of my childhood and the poetry and the wisdom that that young man had in his twenties is impeccable. And I, I don't think that sometimes we sit back and we can understand that this young man had energy of a of an 80 year old he had conversations of an 80 year old he was here before it felt like he had lived here before so i would bring back to pop um just so he can give me some more of them gems that he gave me for the short period of time he was there gotcha gotcha all right awesome and number three if you were uh to uh boy my, my handwriting is terrible uh <laughs> all right if you were a musician all right and everyone in the world could hear this one song all right, what would this song be about and what would the title be? Uh, man, so um I would say it would I would be a rap, I would be a rapper. Um, mm -hmm. I would probably be a Tupac. And um one of the quotes or one of the verses that he had in one of his some lyrics was, I'm not saying that I'm gonna be the person to change the world, but I'm gonna speak life into someone that one day will change the world. So mm -hmm. that's when I'm on the stage, that's all I'm thinking about when I'm pouring in. When I'm coaching with, with realtors, I'm thinking about, I may not be the one to change your family's life, but I'm going to pour into you until that takes place. So, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. I love it. And the last one. All right. So what is the one thing about real estate uh, that you wish was taught in schools? Oh, man. Um, well, you know, I think that. I think that in school, we didn't we didn't really hear about real estate. But when you think about it, wealth is one of the things that real estate can give you. It can give you uh, because a lot of people don't understand through home ownership. You actually people well, people not we're just getting to it. Our, our particular generation, but generations or, or people that didn't look like us before us, they were able to refinance their homes and send their kids through college. They were able to refinance their homes and start their own business, whatever that may have been. So a lot of people don't understand us as us in the entrepreneur space or us as um, African-Americans, one of the things that we didn't have an opportunity of doing is taking advantage of being able to refinance a home and change the general wealth process of our family. So I think now we're getting a hold of that, but I think real estate should be taught in the schools because that's gonna give several different generations an opportunity to go through school more or to go into the entrepreneur space by being able to refinance and use the equity inside of their home or the real estate uh, to change the lives of their family. Gotcha. I love it. I love it. Hey, Mr. Brooks, thank you so much uh, for coming on to the podcast, man. This was amazing. Uh, I can't wait for, you know, everybody to really take a, a listen to all the gems that you drop. Uh, and you. for the folks that, uh, that want to follow you and want to really get a lot more of the wisdom that you're dropping, where can they actually uh, find you uh, and get some of your information? 
No doubt about it. Hey, thank you so much, Eli, again. I appreciate it, man. I'm so passionate about what it is that we discussed tonight. And I can't even think, even sitting on my own podcast, the last time I was this excited and I had so many amazing questions. So thank you so much from my heart uh, for for that. Uh, For those of you that want to follow me, Instagram is my favorite platform. So you can go to Texas Real Estate King. I'm on Instagram. Um, And also LarryWBrooks.com. It'll share you. It'll it'll give you an open book of who I am. So thank you again so much. All right. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. Uh, and again, make sure you guys uh, follow uh, Mr. Brooks uh, and he will be uh, an amazing wealth of knowledge for you guys. Uh, and I can't wait to see y'all on the next episode. So thank you all so much. Thank you for listening to the Your First Steps podcast. Let us know what you thought about this episode by leaving a review. And don't forget to subscribe.